on a summer's day in the month of May, a burly bum come a hiking. He was walking down the land through the sugar candy, we're looking for his liking. And as he strolled along, he sang a song of the land of Middle Canada. Hey there. This is the Sounds of the Trail podcast, a place where we talk about the ups, downs, and switchbacks of trail life. It's time for a hike. Where a bum can stay for many a day, and he won't need any money. Hello. How are you? I am all right. I'm afraid I'm going to lose my voice, Whoa. so I'm going to let you do most of the yeah, talking. You're, well, your voice sounds really sexy right now. What's going on <laughs> with your voice? <laughs> I'm about to lose it, so this is this is what's left the end. Hi, everybody. Since the recording of this interview, my voice has not gotten any better, so I'm just going to say, welcome back to Sounds of the Trail. This is episode number 24. I'd asked Kimchi in part three to send me updates about their experiences on the trail and sort of summing it up and their thoughts and where they are now, but they both found that they were sort of having difficulty trying to get their own heads around it. So we decided to go with interviews instead, and we got to discuss the end of their time on the trail, some of their best moments, and just what it means to be a thru-hiker. So I'm just going to let them roll, and I think you'll enjoy the show. Well, you can surrender yourself into my hands. I'm the interviewer today, so you get to just answer questions. Well, I'm really excited about that, actually. So you can do whatever you want. If you want to start this, I know you you probably already started recording now, but go for it. Do your job. <laughs> well, let's just start off with the intro. So welcome to Sounds of the Trail. This is your host, Gizmo. I am losing my voice, but... It should stick around for the rest of this interview, and I have a very special guest today. Kimchi, why don't you uh, introduce yourself? Hey, everybody from Sounds of the Trail. This is Kimchi. How are you doing out there? <laughs> so you get to be the interviewee today, and I'm going to interview you. And the, the goal today of this interview is just to check in with you on on being finished with the trail. So I guess where I'd like to start... Our last week's episode was with Smokey Bear and Homegrown. Yes, it was amazing. So why don't you tell us what happened the next day? Oh. <laughs> okay, well, the next day after we had a glorious interview with Smokey Bear and Homegrown, I think coming down the mountain, I'm almost positive it was then, uh, pretty sure I fractured my other foot. <laughs> so... I didn't have too many more miles to get into Vermont. Somewhere in that day, I felt like that same familiar pain that I felt in my other foot, and I just kind of hoped and prayed that I didn't fracture it, but the next day, I was positive I'd fractured it. Just to review, you'd previously fractured your right foot? So I fractured my left foot. My left foot had a stress fracture, which then turned into like a minor break. That foot never really healed properly. You know, when I got back on the trail, it was about like 90%, and then it just slowly started to go down and down. I think what happened is going through the whites, especially, probably just overcompensating with my other foot, it just couldn't take it after a while, and I think I just fractured my other foot. So, yes, at this point, I, I had fractured my left and right feet. 
<laughs> too often. <laughs> there are lots of reasons for somebody to get off trail, but I feel like two broken feet is a pretty good one. It was really hard. Getting off was, was really hard. That last mile that I walked into Hanover, I was crying, for real, I'm legitimately crying. I didn't want to get off, and I, I just didn't want to stop. I wasn't ready to stop hiking. So one thing I want to talk about later in this interview is is sort of how the trail ended versus maybe your expectations of how it would end at the start. But before <laughs> we do that, before we do that, I would like to maybe give a really quick overview of, of basically how your hike went. I'm going to try not to make this long and crazy, which is hard. So, yeah, I started at Springer Mountain with a good friend of mine from the Pacific Crest Trail. Her and I kind of hiked for a bit and split ways and then met new people and kept going and made it to Perrysburg, Virginia, where I fractured my left foot. I was doing some big mile days and just felt like a really serious, legit through hiker. Seeing the scenery and taking photographs, but really crushing and slaying the miles. When I got off at Perrysburg, I was pretty devastated, but I got back on in New Jersey at the Delaware Water Gap. Right after I got the go-ahead from my orthopedic, who did warn me that my foot probably wasn't healed all the way, but <laughs> told me to let my pain be my guide. Okay. So, yeah, with a carbon insole, I started walking from the Delaware Water Gap with the intent of getting all the way to Katahdin. And then, in my mind, I was going to get to Katahdin and then flip-flop back to the Water Gap and essentially walk back to Virginia where I'd broken my left foot. That was that was intense. I was so happy to be back on trail. But about 20 miles into my first, the first part of it, I realized that my foot wasn't healed. And as I got in 60 miles in, I was having a really hard time walking. And I just felt really defeated. But knew that I just had to stop being stubborn and let myself heal. So I got off, worked on Fire Island for three weeks with a boot on my foot and just let my foot heal. When I thought I was healed enough, I went up to Maine so happy, so insanely happy to be back on the trail. I summoned a Katahdin with no pain at all. I mean, I was really shocked that my body had healed as well as it did, and I was really excited, and I just, I could feel being back immediately. I just felt like my old self. I got to meet up with a good friend of mine who I have met last year on the PCT, and I mean, just kind of <laughs> wound up in like the most magical time of my life for two months going through Maine and New Hampshire, saw probably the most amazing parts of the trail and had the most amazing experiences. And we just really took our time. And honestly, I mean, I guess I can finally admit this, but just being in a lot of pain every day, all the time, and just dealing with it because it was so worth it for me to be out there. So, yeah, you never know. I know those through hikes are always, you think it's going to be one way, and it's totally not. And it really just kind of changed in this entirely different experience. And being with a lot of people. I would be hiking, you know, when I was hiking in the south, I was with a whole crew of people. And then at the time I finished my hike, I was with only one other person. So it was a really, I would say it was a really full and I had every experience you can imagine. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's sort of like you crammed together a couple different kinds of thru-hikes into one single thru-hike. Yeah, it was great. And I wasn't ready for it to be over, but it is. So... One thing I'd like to ask you about is your goals. So I think a lot of us, when we start off something big, any kind of big endeavor, we have sort of goals and expectations for how things are going to turn out. And I wonder if you think back, how would you, how you would describe <laughs> your goals when you started the Appalachian Trail? 
<laughs> so <laughs> you just laugh at me. The main, the main reason, the main reason I decided to hike the Appalachian Trail, and this is really serious, was that last year on the Pacific Crest Trail, I'd gotten hypothermia twice. Rain was my mortal enemy. It was really hard for me to deal with. I'm a really strong and resilient person, and I've had some pretty crazy things happen to me in my life. But the two things that I seem to have a problem with are going uphill and the rain. The rain is just like, I can't deal with it. So when I decided to hike the Appalachian Trail, one of my biggest goals, one of the most giant goals I had was to really just make peace with the rain. And the other, another goal was to kind of take my time a lot more. Like, I wanted to be able to take my time more. I wanted to not feel guilty about, you know, just doing a 15-mile day or a 10-mile day. I wanted, to, I wanted to see what I was looking at, and I wanted to really appreciate it and not take it for granted. And if I saw a place I wanted to camp, I wanted to be able to do that. That being said, I wanted to push myself, and I really wanted to do a 40-mile day because I've never done that before. And I wanted to also spend time hiking by myself. If I can interject really quickly, it sort of seems like your first goal and your, well, at least the goal about uh, slowing down and spending more time uh, enjoying the scenery is in direct conflict with the goal you listed right afterwards, which is of of pushing and going big miles. How did you reconcile that in your mind? Well, I mean, what I realized was if I'm going to be out here for four or five months, (laughs) I can actually enjoy doing multiple things without just getting into a set routine, which would take me to my last goal. I really didn't want to have a routine. Like, I kind of wanted to see where the trail would take me and to just be okay with that, which which is great. I, You know, I think I did achieve a lot of those goals, except for the rain. <laughs> you, because, you never made peace with it? <laughs> I really tried, man. But in my, I would say that I kind of made peace with it in some senses, but I really just never really, I just couldn't reach that goal all the way. But all the other goals, I feel like I really did reach, except for the, obviously the, the main goal of any thru-hiker, which is to finish your thru-hike. So that was the hardest one for me. I guess that leads on to something I would like to talk about, is your thoughts on being, you know, a, a quote-unquote thru-hiker, because there are you know, various definitions of what a thru-hiker is, some stricter and some more more lenient. And and as as a thru-hiker, like, at the time, you're always inhabiting some strange middle ground where you're intending to be some definition of thru-hiker, but you're not yet. You're in the <laughs> process of doing it. So, you know, you were not able to fully complete the Appalachian Trail um, in, like, the, the classic, I'll call it the classic manner starting at one end and walking straight through until you reach the other or in an alternative definition yeah. of simply walking all the miles. And what are your thoughts on, on your actual hike and your definition of yourself as a through hiker? Oh gosh. Well, that's like a, it's a hard question. It's, it's a loaded <laughs> question. Um, I, I'm going to say this. Punt? First of all, <laughs> this, this is something I am going to say. So I have every intention of triple crowning, which means I'm actually going to have to rehike the entire Appalachian Trail, um, and I'm aware of that, and I don't want to at this point because that trail, honestly, I feel like I love that trail so much, but I feel like it just beat the shit out of me, and <laughs> like a lot, of, a lot of it had to do with my own choices, so it's my own fault, and I need to work through it. I just went through a really insane relationship with the trail. I think I am a through hiker though for a couple of reasons, and I would say that I did not finish this trail. And I'm going to go back and hike the Pacific Crest Trail again as well because I don't, because of the mileage that I did skip, 
for the fires. I feel like if I were going to actually be a true triple crowner, my goal is to do every mile on the trail, which is hilarious because I think anyone in their right mind wouldn't go back and do all these trails again. <laughs> this is like a lifestyle you're signing up for at this point. Oh, so it's, I think that's just all the trail is. Like you don't almost don't have a choice. For me, the trail is my home. I think being on the trail is the first time in my entire life I've ever felt like I'm, in a, I'm at home. I feel like I'm home. I go home every night. I'm living in my home. I'm home every day. And maybe I, set my, I go to sleep in a different spot, but I still feel like it's at home. And I've never felt like that before. And honestly, I think that is my definition of how I'm a thru-hiker. Because I literally live, that's where I live, and that's what I live for. And when I'm not there, I feel like... I'm not home. I feel like I have a homesickness almost, you know. I think through hiking is just, it's it's a variable term, you know. Yeah, I like what you said about it being home because I, I remember feeling the same way and feeling this great sense of freedom that I could travel such great distances and, and never be away from home during that time period. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and this comfort, you know, like you could sit down on the side of the trail. You're like, this is my living room right now <laughs> and you get up and you're like now it's the hallway <laughs> i don't know i'm i'm sort of a literal thinker <laughs> so no i i feel you i mean even when you're like filtering water you're in the kitchen you know it's the same and you get to I, this might be too graphic for people but especially i would say mostly on the pacific crest trail because on the appalachian trail there are privies everywhere but some of my favorite times of the day were picking a spot where i was gonna poop <laughs> and just like Seriously, just, like, being by myself for a while where I, nobody was going to disturb me and, like, sitting in some crazy place and just not having to think about hiking or anything and just having a moment of peace and, like, taking a crap. It's the best bathroom ever. I had some great views like, during some of my poops. <laughs> I really did. You, yeah. you know, you feel like such a sense of accomplishment <laughs> when you're taking a crap, like looking at something epic. You're like, this is my bathroom. <laughs> yeah. Which, I don't know. A lot of people who hike the trail and through hikers, I'm going to say through hikers in general, kind of get this weird sense of dysphoria when they finish the trail. And it's because they're going back to real life, whatever real life is. People become more aware of like how little they needed when they're on the trail, what they what little they needed to like actually be excited and be happy. And I think that the trail is more of a natural place that we're supposed to be in. Literally. I mean it's nature, but I think you get it more in tune with your body and with nature and with just the time frame of the day. You work with the time of the day usually. You wake with the sun and you go to sleep with the sun and your body's in motion all day looking at things that aren't made by man and I think I don't know I just think that's why it's home for me you know and it's probably why I don't I, I don't mind telling you that I'm going to try and hike all these trails again <laughs> it is the utter utter minimalist lifestyle the true a true minimalist you gain you gain so much by yeah. being there it doesn't feel you feel like you you know you have everything you need yeah maybe one thing I'd like you to do is to think of a particular moment on the trail this year that sort of encapsulates or epitomizes the good things that you got out of the trail this year? <laughs> Man, I think there are just so many amazing moments and so many amazing people, like the best people ever. I think, though, 
I guess when I was with Storybook and Rock Ocean, we decided that we were going to sleep on top of Wildcat Mountain and watch the lunar eclipse. And it was just mind-blowing. We hiked there, and we got to the top of Wildcat. The sunset was really pretty. And we set up, and we started cooking our food together. And we were trying to find the best place on this, like, goofy observatory platform. (laughs) And it's just, like, this really crappy, like, stupid wooden platform on top of a mountain, which I don't understand why it's there, because I'm not going to lie to you, like, the view isn't that cool. (laughs) It really, really isn't. We set up our, our, our sleeping mattresses and we just like all laid there and trying to watch the eclipse. You know, we're through hikers, so we're exhausted by the time the eclipse actually starts to happen. <laughs> yeah. Which was at like 9.30 at night. <laughs> also known as Hiker Midnight. <laughs> oh, it was Hiker Midnight. And storybook, I could just hear her breathing start to slow. And then I heard it get deeper and then I realized that she was sleeping. Being in the middle of Southern Rock Ocean and watching the lunar eclipse and knowing what it was and feeling like the tiniest person in the whole world on top of a huge mountain in the middle of the whites was just, it was amazing. I kind of went in and out of sleep all night watching the moon change. I felt so, so grateful and that's just the epitome of the trail for me. There was a moment like that every day and every night. I watched the sunset on Mount Washington with not one other person on that mountain except for Rock Ocean. And that would lead us into hiking down in the dark to Lake of the Clouds, sleep in the dungeon to watch the moon rise and then watch the sun come up. I mean, every day it was just magic. It was pure magic and painful and awesome. You know, it's just like the best experience of every single emotion, feeling, and vision you could ever have all smashed into one crazy, hot, sweaty, cold, sticky, rainy, stupid, awesome summer. (laughs) Yeah, one thing I really like about thinking back on my own thru-hike is that I know at the time that it was very difficult physically and and painful. I had a lot of foot pain myself, and I, uh, I got sick about a week from the end, and I finished very, very thin and tired. Um, pretty pretty run down feeling, but you know you can't really remember those feelings. Like I know that they were there, but I cannot I cannot recall that feeling. Whereas I can recall perfectly all of the beautiful moments <laughs> and and walking through these beautiful places. And so while doing a through hike is amazing, remembering a through hike is like the best ever. <laughs> so, but but in order to have that, you have to have done it. So I guess I guess you earn it. To earn those beautiful, beautiful memories. So, yeah, and I think when any through hikers talk, people just go into this almost their cadence changes, uh, the way their voices is, the tone in their voice changes as they're slowly recounting all the memories that they had, and it becomes this almost walking through like a fog of nostalgia, you know, because you really can't believe all the beauty that you witnessed, and you definitely don't think about the pain and the agony, and you don't. I mean, I would tell people about the Pacific Crest Trail, and I'd be like, Washington was absolutely amazing, but (laughs) I was freezing. I was in rain every day. I was angry. I was cursing. I was crying. You know, like, I was having a hard time. And I think with the podcast, that's why when I was in the 100-mile wilderness, I felt like it was so important for me to tell people, I'm peeing blood right now. I have chafing on my thighs that's open and the salt of my sweat is like making it burn every day, but I'm so happy that I don't even care. Like it's really, I'm willing to walk through it. 
just to sort of finish up, because I don't want to make this this too long, but uh-huh. <laughs> um, just to, to finish up to talk about how maybe being on Sounds of the Trail and participating in this project affected your through hike. Well, I think being able to be on this podcast and be involved with it, it changed my through hike so, so much. My through hike was very much affected by this podcast and mostly because of the listeners and mostly because of the people I interviewed. I don't think I would have realized the beauty in so many of the things that I was doing or gotten over some of the challenges without the interviews that I did with the people I met and without the feedback that Gizmo was constantly sending me. So those emails were really keeping me going, even when I didn't want to go. Just to wrap up, I'm really pleased with this this summer and how everything went, and I'm glad we got to work together on it. So this is your favorite part, Kimchi. If you could tell any of our listeners anything, <laughs> what would it be? This is my favorite. If I could tell you anything, anyone who's listening, first of all, it's thank you. But second, I would say to get out and go hiking. Get out of the city or even in the city. Just go walk somewhere. Walk around for a while. Get lost in your thoughts and be completely grateful for the fact that you get to be alive every single day. And talk to strangers that you don't know and ask some questions and listen to them. Because usually their stories will make you really excited to keep doing whatever you're doing and also inspire you just to maybe think a little bit differently and think outside of the box. We only get to be here once. And you might as well really seriously try and be awesome because you are awesome. That's (laughs) all you really need to know. So welcome back to Sounds of the Trail. This is Gizmo, and I am here with Par 3 today, and I'm interviewing him about the last part of the trail. We haven't heard from you in a while, Par 3. Yeah, it's been a while. (laughs) (laughs) So part of the reason for that is because I've been out of town, and part of that is just because of the trail. Uh, If I recall correctly, I remember the, the North Cascades especially being sort of a black hole of cell phone service. Oh yeah. I mean, it was, it was way out there. It was really awesome feeling that far kind of isolated. You really kind of, the mountains aren't like in the Sierras, at least you can kind of like get your bearing, you know, like the, the, the east side of the Sierras drops off, you know, Owens Valley's over there, but Washington, it would just seems kind of like endless, endless, endless mountains in every direction kind of felt for the first time since the Sierras kind of really out there. Yeah, I I really liked Washington. So on the Pacific Crest Trail, it's, you know, 2,600 miles, more or less. And unlike the Appalachian Trail, where you go through a new state, like, once a week or something. I don't know. They seem to go <laughs> to new states all the time. I'm from mm-hmm. the West. I don't understand this. But uh, I usually think of the PCT as having five states, which is Southern California, Central California, Northern California, Oregon, and Washington, because they're all <laughs> about yep. the same length. And they all felt pretty different to me. So yep. what, maybe you could think of a, of something about your time in Washington that really characterizes your experience and how it deferred from other parts of the trail. Well, I totally agree with the five-state thing. I mean, I actually broke it up the exact same way in my head, exactly the same. And each one had its really its own feel in terms of the geography and where you're kind of at mentally, whether it's you're just starting and that kind of tints the whole thing towards that where you're at in the summer, the terrain, all of it's so different. But Washington, I just remember feeling the entire state, like I was almost there. And I feel like that really characterized it because yeah, like you're saying it, you know, like this is the last state or this is the last 500 miles or like once you hit Cascade locks, 
I mean, it's for us, it was September. So, you know, it's the last month. You know, you're seeing a lot of people for the last time. But at the same time, you still have 500 miles to go, which takes a long time, especially when it's really hard 500 miles. So it was a really tough mental thing, I think, to get through. Getting Because you knew you were getting close. And then also you're going through all the emotional baggage of dealing with the end. And everyone wants to be done, but no one wants to leave. So there's a lot going on there emotionally and mentally. <laughs> yeah, sort of a double bind there. <laughs> mm-hmm. you, you can't win. Yeah. And I remember for us... Uh, I think my timeline was about the same as yours, was that one thing that we were increasingly up against at that time of year was the whole uh, winter is coming, mm-hmm. doom doom and gloom from people. It got to the point, even day hikers were, were giving us a hard time about being able to finish <laughs> before the big storms hit, Yeah, uh, which worked out for us. What What was the weather like for you? How did it hold up? It was weird. I mean, going out of trail days, it was brutal. I mean, it was like we got to Trout Lake, and this was like the first town in Washington. And all the locals were like, oh, my God, it's so cold. Like, this is not normal. Like, this is really early. Like, winter's already here. And so everyone started freaking out. I mean, it was really cold. Like, it was freezing for the first four days probably out of Cascade Locks and rainy and just it was not, but then we got kind of, we went further. I think it was Skykomish was one of the last times it rained on us. It rained a little bit coming out of Stahikin, but we had the most beautiful final like week where it was like 60 and sunny. So we never had this kind of like overbearing worry about finishing, but it was more kind of like, I don't know. It was weird not having that because you kind of wait for it to come the whole time. You're like, oh, I'm like, I'm burning. You know, we knew we were going to finish around then of September, but it never really got to the urgency. It was almost like we were more worried about the fires working themselves out. And once that happened and it worked out and everything opened up, then it was just kind of, all right, time to finish. What day did you officially finish the trail? I got to the monument on September 30th and then hiked out to Manning Park on the 1st. Well, congratulations on the finish. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) What were you thinking about on your last weeks on trail? Well, for me, this is kind of the end of like a, uh, almost like a two-year thing. I tried to finish last year and a lot of different things happened, but finishing something that I have been thinking about at least for two years was a lot to deal with and a lot of good things. I mean, feeling really proud of myself and a big confidence booster you kind of feel like you can take on any challenge and as long as you put your mind to it you can do it but at the same time you're hanging out with people every day and realizing that that's going to change really quick and it's not easy to stay in touch with everyone and your life just in general is about to take a huge shift just like it did when you got on the trail except you know what to, what you're going back to so <laughs> I don't know. It was like a very, it's its so hard to describe. There's so much going on and it's every which way of emotions. And I mean, a lot of people got kind of sad and like they pouted a lot during the last week because they knew it was ending, but I was very, very excited. I was, it, it definitely upped my energy overall and my excitement. Did you have any expectations for this part of the trail that didn't match up with the reality? Yeah. I mean, I totally thought, that and I've heard this from multiple other people both before I finished and after, but I thought that the moment of like walking up to the monument would just bring about this like 
don't know, you just you build up that five seconds of like the final five seconds where you walk up and you're just like, oh, that monument. five seconds, it's yeah. going to change my life. Like, it's going to be amazing. And it's, it is, it's totally amazing and it's mind blowing, but you kind of just stand there. And I just remember staring at the monument for like 30 seconds and just like not knowing what to do. And just like at a total loss for how to react and like, I don't know. I just, I thought I would knew, know how to react and I would just be like, it would be this great moment, but it's just like, I don't know. It kind of made me appreciate every other moment because they were all <laughs> equal. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I think one way in which the Appalachian trail has a big uh, leg up over the Pacific crest trail is that they get to end at this really incredible place and have this mm-hmm. moment where they get to summit a mountain and be on top of Katahdin and, you know, and, that's the end. Whereas I remember thinking that the monument, it was really funny because it was such a scenic stretch of trail leading up to the monument. Really Mm -hmm. beautiful. And it's like they picked the least scenic place (laughs) in the previous (laughs) uh, 30 miles (laughs) to put the monument. It was just this tucked away little notch in some trees. And, And the only thing marking it is this like this, clear-cut line of of trees across the border which i hadn't known about either that for some reason the united states feels a need to to cut a a swath of trees (laughs) (laughs) across the the parallel whatever it is the the 49th parallel i guess yeah no i i definitely like the 30 miles leading up to there is like i was like a pass every two miles and you're just like you're constantly on these beautiful ridges and all the fall colors and yeah, and then the other, you get to the border, and then you still have eight more miles to go. So, like, you're not done. Like, we still got we got to the border, like, camped another night, like, spent a night hanging out, and then woke up and, like, had to pack up and hike all morning to get to Canada. So, you didn't, like, you're still not done, and you still haven't gotten to that, like, I'm putting my pack down, and I'm really done. Yeah. And, like, you don't, you don't get that finality yet. So, it's like this weird, I don't know, it's a very weird stretch of emotions that you go through weird 48 hours <laughs> yeah i remember thinking on those those last eight miles uh i am so over this <laughs> was, was like i was like okay i'm done now <laughs> uh, and you... i don't want to i don't want to bash canada but as soon as you crossed the, the border the trail just became this like monster it was like up and down poorly maintained overgrown and i was just like okay and it was like, you're doing like this three mile climb up a hill where you can't see anything. And yeah, I was just like, okay, now we finished this. Yeah. You know? but. <laughs> so, you know, entering this through hike, you already had, what was it? A thousand miles under your belt. Uh-huh. And so, and then entering Washington, you'd hiked another 1600 miles. So mm-hmm. you might sort of think that you had a, a handle on being a through hiker and what that means. But was there anything yeah. you learned in that last section of trail that you hadn't learned previously? I think I was just talking about this, actually. And I think that that moment came after I went home because I, I kind of dealt with finishing while I was doing it. And I've been thinking about it for a long time. So it was kind of just like, all right, I've done this. But I kind of went into the off trail experience a little bit overconfident I think I was like oh you know I've readjusted before like I can totally I can do this like I've done I did this last year I know what to expect and I'm just gonna go and keep doing my thing but inevitably I got home and the first four or five days were amazing and relaxing and comfortable but 
it set in just like it did last year. And, you know, the whole, like, your your whole mindset of, like, oh, no, I really missed it. And, oh, no, like, I'm not going to see those people. And you get this total, and I totally underestimated it. And I learned that, you know, the trail is going to do what the trail does no matter what you do to prepare for it. So It's a hard separation. It really is. Yeah, it is. Well, maybe let's talk now just for a minute about the entire trail. Now that you can look back on this whole year, two years sort of experience, mm-hmm. which parts sort of stand out to you as the best parts that you think back on? Well, I have really fond memories both years of the beginnings of the trail. So like going out for the first time, like completely alone, starting in the desert and like the end of May and not knowing what I was doing and then deciding to skip up and meeting kimchi and all my friends instantly i mean that whole three weeks of my hiking over the past couple years really kind of defined a lot of what would happen to me later on and then this year the same thing i think the going back into it and kind of feeling like i know what i'm doing and confident and crushing the desert and actually really enjoying the desert which i didn't hear too much of (laughs) I actually really I like the desert and I I, think I like the, the desert a lot go, too. I'm I'm a I'm a desert defender. <laughs> yeah, I love it and I think it's the most diverse and exciting and action-packed section. I mean, it really I don't know. I, I, it probably has something also to do with the beginnings. I think that the beginning is just you're just so excited. and There's so much unknown and by the time you're reaching towards the end, you kind of reach this point where you're in a a pattern and a, a you're functioning like you do in your normal life. You kind of have a routine and you know what you're doing and you kind of know what to expect. But I think that the excitement of figuring something out and going into the unknown is a lot of the reason why a lot of us go out there. So I think that the beginning really, really captures that. Do you think this year already having been a through hiker, was it still as magical to start? Yeah, I think so because it, it was still the PCT. I think I felt a really strong attachment to the PCT. I think if I had kind of said, eh, screw that, I'm going to go do the AT instead, it might not have had as much, but there was definitely a lot of like, yeah, magic and nostalgia <laughs> and feeling kind of, I don't know, a lot towards the trail, a lot of emotions towards an inanimate, <laughs> inanimate strip of dirt. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. It's funny that you bring up the the magic of starting when I think about starting the trail myself, the the first thing that I think of is this sort of inner conflict about calling myself a through hiker, because uh-huh. you you're attempting a through hike and you intend to be a through hiker. But what if you've hiked you know five miles on the PCT? Can you really call yourself a through hiker? And mm-hmm. but but do you call yourself an intending to be? And I, I remember thinking a lot about what a through hiker is. And at one point, do you say you are or aren't a through hiker? And <laughs> And just, <laughs> you have a lot of time to think about things, right? I think that uh, that magic and excitement comes with assuming this role and putting on this title of through hiker with all that that means, yeah. the, the intentions behind it. But that also means at the end of the trail that you sort of have to take that through hiker hat off and that role off and look at who you are. And I think that's a hard part about coming home. Well, it's like you get to put on you get to put on a uniform, you know. You get to go, and you have a purpose that's given to you, and you're one of a group. And I mean, it's like being part of a sports team or something like that, where you're assuming a role as a part of a larger whole, I guess. 
and yeah, stepping back and being out on your own, but like not having the trail or the community or any of that to kind of fall back to, you kind of feel lost and you don't really have the same purpose and the same comfortability being who you are and where you are at all times. Just motivation to, for me at least, it's motivation to figure out what I'm going to get excited about next. And it can be hiking, it can be, I don't know what it's going to be, but that's what I'm motivated to do right now at least. (laughs) Yeah, I obviously never stopped talking about it, so... (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure I won't either, believe me. (laughs) If you could think back on either on Washington or maybe the trail as a whole, was there a part that you found particularly challenging or, or tough to get through? Leaving Stahican was really hard. So tell us where Stahican is in relation to the trail. Stahican is like pretty much the last town. You can go into Mazama or Winthrop or something, but we didn't. Stahican was our last stop before Canada. And it's about, what is it, like 80 miles from the border, something like that. I believe so. so. This is like, this is your last stretch. It's your last resupply of food. You're not going to go in and figure out town anymore. And I also just reached a point of exhaustion. And I think knowing I was close to the end, my brain kind of let my body know how exhausted it was. But I just remember feeling just sitting down at breaks and just dreading getting up again. And just like my body was just like, I could feel it breaking down. Some of that probably had to do with like nutrition. I, I lost a lot of weight and I was pretty thick thin by the end. So my energy levels were very up and down, but I'd never experienced that before. The Sierras were hard, the desert's hard, but I hadn't experienced that bone tired exhaustion until the very end. I think that's probably more mental than anything. <laughs> yeah, that's what they say, but hard, yeah. hard when it feels so physical. <laughs> oh God, yeah. <laughs> And it's hard. I mean, it's really up and down, and it's it's cold. You don't want to stop because it's cold, but you're almost there. <laughs> Did you have any stretch of trail that you would call your favorite? I really, really loved NorCal. My grandparents live in Chester, and then my grandpa lives in uh, Shasta. So we had, and we went to, we decided to go to Chester twice. We hitched up from Quincy and then got to Chester and went in there again. And so we got to stay at three cabins, three three separate stays at a cabin of my family's in like a two-week period. And NorCal is like notoriously hot and brutal and a little boring. So having that and like bringing all my friends to my grandparents and they love hosting all the hikers. They did it both years. So I really miss and think fondly upon NorCal. So if I was kimchi, I would say, and this is my favorite part. But uh, it's it's one of my favorite parts, too. But if you could tell anybody anything, what would you tell them? And it could be oh, anybody, anybody about anything. Anybody anything. Hmm. I would probably tell my friends who I grew up with and graduated with and who are now working their jobs. I would tell the ones that don't like their jobs to do something about it, whatever it may be. I don't know if it has to be leaving their job, but... I just I've talked to too many friends since I've been back who are kind of like, hey, like how's how's uh how was the trail? Like you're back, what are you doing? And then I have the same questions for them, like, hey, what are you doing? Like how's life for you? And they have nothing to tell me. It's kind of like, yeah, it's the same. It kind of sucks. I'm kind of bummed out a lot of the time, and I wish that they would do something about it, whatever it may be. I just have they just have a. I feel like the trail gave me a sense of like. You just got to take matters into your own hands to get 
something like that done, and it's, it requires a little bit of a change. And that's a little preachy of an answer. But <laughs> <laughs> Would you think that's been one of the biggest lessons that you took away from the trail? Yeah, I mean, I think it was something that I had decided before I got on the trail, and it was a lot, a lot of the reason why I did it was that I really wasn't happy with the direction I was heading or what I was setting myself up to do with my career and my life. So once I realized I wasn't happy about it, it took me a while. It took me a year or two to kind of say, like, I need to do something about this. I can't just go and put up with it. I need to do it, make a change. And for me, the trail was part of that, but my change was changing my whole career path and deciding that I wanted to go in a completely different direction. I decided to value my, my happiness over my career and my position in that. Yeah, I think a lot of that conversation happens in congruence with the trail, I think, because a lot of people are in between different parts of their lives and they're making big changes. So it is a pretty common thread among hikers to be dealing with something like that, a big change or an impactful decision. I would agree with that. So I think that's that's just about it that I had for, for this section of the interview. Is there anything else you want to, to add about the trail in general or Washington or... Uh, I love it. I love the PCT. I don't know what else. I, I wish I could <laughs> say that in more words than just those, but in every sense of those words, I mean it. I mean, I miss it a lot. It's been a few weeks and I I miss it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, thanks, Par 3. Happy to do it. Big Rock Candy Mountain have to change your socks and little streams of alcohol come a trickling through the rocks all the railroad bowls at the tip of their hats and the railroad bowls are all blind there's a little lake of stew and a whiskey too you can paddle on around it in your big canoe on the big rock candy mountain